Quite simply, as a point, it's about patience and kindness. Patience and kindness. That's what it says. Love suffers long and is kind. Now, I'm here to tell you this. I don't know about you, but those two little characteristics, those little two descriptions and adjectives, there is a deep well of growth that we all can have in two characteristics. If you really love me, you'll do what I want. That statement doesn't sound very loving, does it? But that's the prevailing way it comes to love in our society. But as Pastor Daniel teaches today, there is a better way. God waits for people with patience that they would make the right decision. That is love. Suffering through someone's mistakes isn't easy, but bearing with it is the true definition of love. It's patient and kind. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Love Defined. We're doing a series here on Sunday mornings right now called The Greatest. It's about love. And it's not hard to find great examples or stories about love at work, love that inspires us. And a story came out a number of years ago about a a father and son. The father's name is Dick. The son's name is Rick. And uh, a number of years ago, when Rick was born, he was born with an extreme case of uh, cerebral palsy. And he was unable to, to walk or to talk. And the parents were told when he was born, listen, you should put him in a assisted care. There's nothing we can do for him, but God had another plan. And so Dick and his wife, they raised little Ricky as their own son, and they ended up getting a computer for him that he was able to communicate with them. And as they started communicating, there was a race that was happening in their native Boston area that was to help a a handicapped uh, family. And this young man, Rick, told his dad, I want to run in that race. And so his dad... They got a wheelchair, and he just ran on the race, and they finished second to last in the race. And when they got home, Ricky, at this point, who is now in his early 20s, said to his dad, when we were running, I didn't feel that I had any disability at all. Amen. Now, if the story stopped there, that's beautiful. But if you actually know the story, this father and son team have now run over 1,000 races, including the Ironman twice. The second time they did the Ironman, father had just had a heart attack. And literally, he does the Ironman, which for an athlete is, I couldn't even, just the thought of it makes me feel exhausted. But literally, he did it with, he's got a a raft with his son is in it, and he's swimming with his son. And he runs, and he's got a wheelchair, and he runs, and his son is, is in the wheelchair. And then when it's time to get on the bicycle, there's a special uh, co-rider bicycle, and, and the son rides on it. You know, and it's like, and if you want, go look it up. Uh, Team Hoyt, it's called. Look it up on YouTube. I was going to show the video, but I didn't want all of us crying. 
Because it, it, it makes you cry. And I know if I start crying, I won't ever get back. We'll just, I'll cry the whole time. Because it's such a powerful story of love. It's such a tangible story of a father's love for his son. And it's beautiful as he talks about the story. The father would say, well, you know, my son Ricky has given as much to me as I've given to him. Because we realize that love is not one way. It's a two-way street, isn't it? And that love, when you give love, it also fulfills who you are in your soul. And so I wanted to study love for us as a church, mostly because I think we're all growing there. And I think what happens is, and for those of you who were here last week when we started 1 Corinthians 13, if you want, you can open to your Bibles there now, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. When you're studying love, it's challenging. And guess what? It is challenging because Jesus loves perfectly, and we are all growing. That's what the Bible teaches us, that God loves us in a perfect way, in the way that we're having explained, and we are all in the process of learning how to love. And so when you start to look at this is what love is, this is how God loves us, we see all of our failings in love in a mirror, in very clear relief. And so I think it's important for you and I to remember that as we're studying this, the only person who has this dialed in is Jesus. And the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ is, yes, we fail and we should own our failures. But Jesus didn't fail. Jesus is victorious and that is why he died and rose again. See, the Christian message is not that we get it all right. It's that we get it all wrong for the most part, and Jesus got it all right and gets it all right. And so as we're studying, I don't want anyone to walk away from any study of the Bible feeling like, wow, I, I am just miserable. Yes, we are not perfect. None of us are. But God is in the process of changing all of us. And it's amazing when we realize that the circumstances of our lives, the situations that are bewildering, that are beautiful, that are frustrating, they're all God's gift to us to help us learn how to love and be like Jesus is. So it's all purposeful. I mean, think about how that changes our lives. The understanding that all of these things are actually meant to give us what we really want, which is to transform us from who we are into the image of Jesus through our own lives. So today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're only going to look at verses 4 and 5. Now I'm going to read you verses 4 to the beginning of 8 because you've all heard this before a million times. I'm going to read it to you. Look what it says. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Maybe one of the most common scriptures in the world. 
Because we hear it at weddings, right? When it's a wedding, we're talking about love, a couple getting married. We read this passage. And so we're only going to take half of this passage today. And I did that on purpose because when you're studying through the scriptures, right, there's all different ways to do it. If we go straight through a book of the Bible like we did the Life is Messy series, we took about 10 weeks and we went through the whole book of Ephesians. And in that way, we were kind of driving a car through the book of Ephesians. You know, when you're driving a car through a neighborhood, you can notice certain things, but all the intricate details, we can't. So what I decided to do for this series called The Greatest on 1 Corinthians 13 was we're going to stroll through 1 Corinthians 13. We'll do five messages on 13 verses so that we can stop. We can notice the details. We can spend some more time there than if we were going more quickly. I think what's important for us before we jump in is to realize that Paul uses verbs in describing what love is. He uses verbs. Why? Because a loving person behaves a certain way, does and does not do certain things. It's really easy to talk about love as a concept, but biblically, love is an action. It's something that we live out on a daily basis. The old saying that actions speak louder than words is true. I grew up in New Jersey where they would say things like, well, talk is cheap. It's easy to say one thing, but your actions prove and my actions prove who I am. And when Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, goes to explain what love is, he uses all verbs. Now, what's interesting, not only does he use verbs, but in the Greek, all of these verbs are in what's called the present continuous tense, which denotes actions and attitudes that have become habitual because they're happening over and over and over again. So love is not, well, hey, I love you because 10 years ago I did this nice thing for you. The love that we're talking about is in the present day. It's something that we have to choose to engage in every single day, that it happens over and over and over again. Now, when you start talking about the idea of love, What becomes very challenging is we live in a world where the love that we are talking about, the love of Jesus for the world that would give up his own life, we've all been socialized in environments where that love is not maybe the norm. And so what happens is when you start thinking about love, we all filter love through a whole sort of other definitions of what love is. Like, if you love me, you'll do everything that I want you to do. That's pretty typical Western version of love. American version. If you love me, you'll do what I ask. And if I get mad loud enough and long enough, you will change what you're doing to suit me. Right? Can we all just agree that we kind of love that way? I do. Maybe I'm the only sinner here. So you guys can pray for me. And you guys should come up here and teach. I'll learn from you. Because what we do is we say, it's about, if you love me, you'll do what I want. If you love me, you will fulfill the things that I believe you're supposed to fulfill in my life. And if you don't, then I won't love you back. And that's kind of a cultural phenomenon. It's not that way everywhere, but it is very much the way it is in America. It's kind of a, what have you done for me lately kind of a love. But the love of Jesus is not that way. And so we are learning a more excellent way, as the Apostle Paul said, that this way of the love of Jesus, the love that is life-giving while being self-sacrificial, a love that is filled with goodness while not diminishing a person, 
We have to learn it, and it exists outside of us, and we are seeking to learn how to live it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a man named Karl Barth. He's a, a theologian, wrote Church Dogmatics, which is like 20 million thousand words. It's huge. I, I haven't read the whole thing, but Karl Barth gives maybe the best outline for these verses. And I'll share them with you. I, I could have just renamed them and shared them with my own, but it's like most scholars say, Karl Barth, this is a great way to outline this. And really what you have is in this passage, verses four to eight, in the beginning of verse 8 here. Verses 4 and 5 in the beginning of verse is about love and the darkness in ourselves. Then the middle of verse 5 to verse 6, love and the darkness in others. And then verse 7 in the beginning of 8, love and the darkness or perceived darkness in God. So it begins, love and my own issues, 4 to the middle of 5, and then how love relates to other people's issues as we understand them. And then verse 7, all of the alls, love and the perceived darkness in God. Now, he says the word perceived darkness because you know that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. But on this side of heaven, as we studied in the book of Ecclesiastes, sometimes things happen that we don't understand. Things go on and we're like, I don't get what that means for my life. And so a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things, a love that never fails, is like, God, I don't get what you're doing because you're God and I'm not, but I'm going to trust, and I'm going to hope, and I'm going to believe, and I'm not going to give up. So it's interesting. It begins with us, then it begins to us and other people, and then us and God. And that's a great way to outline this passage. So we're going to take predominantly today Love and us, love and our issues and our struggles with love. So look at how it begins here. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Now, quite simply, as a point, it's about patience and kindness. Patience and kindness. It's what it says. Love suffers long and is kind. Now, I'm here to tell you this. I don't know about you, but those two little characteristics, those little two descriptions and adjectives, there is a deep well of growth that we all can have in two characteristics. Sometimes the Bible in its depth is staggering because it's like, oh, yeah, so in some of your Bibles, love is patient, love is kind. Mine says love suffers long and is kind. We could stop right there, right? How many of you feel that you are patient and kind all the time? Anybody want to volunteer for that one? Bueller, Bueller, any t- crickets? Nobody, right? I don't want to volunteer for that one. Remember we said, but think about it. Put Jesus' name in there. Jesus is patient and Jesus is kind. That fits, doesn't it? How patient has Jesus been with you? How patient is he with me? As I'm growing and learning and struggling and making mistakes and all this stuff, and Jesus is there, and when we stray from the Lord, and all of a sudden we turn back, Lord, I'm so sorry. It's like, yeah, I've been waiting for you. I'm here, wait. I've just been here waiting for you to turn around. Jesus is kind in his approach. 
And so even though we read Jesus' name in there, it reads so beautifully, and we read our name in there, and it's a train wreck from the starting gun. So we're going to remember, this is about the work that God's doing in us to teach us how to love like he loves. So when you think of patience, the New King James or the King James The idea of love suffers long, it's the perfect way to translate it because patience is truly suffering with somebody for a long time. And that's why we don't, we're not patient. Because who likes to suffer? Anybody? Exactly. Who wants to do it for a long time? Exactly. Right? If you're going to suffer, might as well suffer quickly and get past it. The idea of bearing with someone, suffering for a long time, that's why most of us struggle with patience. Because literally, it's about suffering for a while. The opposite of patience is being short-tempered. So the love of God and the love that we want to display in the world because it's God's love and not our own It begins with suffering long. It begins with being patient with people. It's not quick-tempered, and we're going to see a little bit more about that in a second, but it has the ability to bear with somebody in their imperfections for a long time. And this patience, obviously, we see in the character of God. I think of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. See, it's speaking in Second Peter. It was funny. That verse was in my devotion this morning. It speaks about the return of Jesus to the earth. And they say there's going to be people who are going to come and say, oh, well, where's his return? Where, I thought he was going to come. Why isn't he here? He's like, listen, the Lord's not lazy, slack. But instead, he's long-suffering. Why? Not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So God is patient, waiting for people to return to him. God's heart is that people would have the time to make a different decision. I believe there's some people here today. You're here today. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've been resisting. And God is patient. And God is saying, come on. And today still exists because God has given us the opportunity today. Because God is patient in that way. God suffers with us in our mistakes. How many of us have walked through years and years, decades upon decades, or a few days of rebellion against God, and God doesn't just get rid of us. He bears with us. I love that about the Lord. But isn't it so different from how we treat one another sometimes? There's no patience, right? And so we're saying, God, we want your patience. But not only is it about patience, love suffers long and what? And is kind. I always think of my my bride, Lynn. She says, Daniel, kindness matters. She'll say that to our kids all the time. Kindness matters. And you know what? It does matter. Why? Because love is kind and It's important for us to realize that, I believe. See, love reacts with goodness towards people. Robinson Cano is the second baseman for the Seattle Mariners, but he used to be the second baseman for the New York Yankees. He returned with the Mariners to New York City to play in his first game in Yankee Stadium for the Mariners. And Jimmy Fallon, the late-night talk show host, 
wanted to have some fun with this. So he figured, well, the New York fans are going to boo Robinson Cano because he left to go to the Mariners. And so what he did was he invited Robinson Cano and he got like a huge picture of Robinson Cano. And they went out onto the streets of New York and gave New Yorkers a chance to boo Robinson Cano. Right? And so sure enough, they have all these videos of this big picture. But what nobody realizes is that Robinson Cano is going to walk out in a second. Says, oh, is Robinson Cano's in town? And Jimmy Fallon says, and they say, oh, yeah. They go, are you going to boo him? Oh, yeah, we're going to boo him. He's like, well, look, here's now your shot. And all these people are booing. Like, some of the guys are cursing. You know, you stink, you know? And they're doing it. He's like, oh, just keep going. And then all of a sudden, he says, do it again. And Robinson Cano walks out. And in every single one, you know what happens? They stop booing. They shake his hand. They say, welcome back to New York. <laughs> they give him a hug. One guy's like, I ain't going to boo you anymore. <laughs> but what's interesting, when it's a picture, you can do it. But to the person's face, you can't, right? Why? Because there's something deep in our souls that tell us that you can't treat a person that way. But we live in a culture that we divorce an idea from a person. That's why I think email is such a faulty communication or texting. Because you can say things a certain way in an email that you can't say if you're looking right at a person. Right? Because kindness matters. And when you look into someone's eyes, it's real easy. Like, I, you know, like if some of you really don't like politicians on whatever aisle. Now, if that person was here, I do not believe that people would be vicious to them, even no matter how much you dislike them. Because when you're looking into their eyes, they're a human being, a, someone created in the image and likeness of God, fatally flawed, in need of salvation like everybody else. But when we depersonalize people, we can be unkind. See, kindness tells a story. Pastor George Gomes, he's our executive pastor of communications. We're working on how do we communicate as a with us, with a large congregation, with us in the world. And one of the things Pastor George always says, he says, Daniel, he says to our staff, everything messages, everything says something. And I'm here to tell you that love and kindness messages really loud, really loud. And when someone is being unkind, it's not love. It's not love. Because love is kind. Love looks at a person and acknowledges that God created them and sustains them like everyone else. Love is not mean-spirited, but kindness matters. Now, it's amazing when I say something like that, how challenging these verses are, because how easy is it to be unkind? Now, for some of us, being unkind to someone's face maybe comes naturally, but for most of us, the idea of gossip, talking behind someone's back, right? When you gossip, you character assassin. How many of you heard it said, if you would say it with Jesus standing there or that person standing there, then you should say it. And if you wouldn't, then you shouldn't. You guys have heard that line? How many things should we filter out? Because if the person was standing there, you wouldn't say it. So love is kind. You think about kindness. Kindness is a quality, isn't it? When someone is kind, you know it. And when someone is unkind, what? You can sense it. I feel blessed. For those of you who know my wife, Lynn. Jesus is real. God is so patient. He waits on us far longer than we would ever wait for someone else who is treating us like dirt. 
That's the message we heard today as we heard about the way God shows love. We want His patience, His kindness, and it's not our nature. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share about what Scripture tells us love is not. Rude, shameful, proud, envious. We all think we're not these things, but we are. They invade our souls in sneaky ways. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series entitled The Greatest. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 